Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insight straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions. Regardless of whether you will apply to a particular school being highlighted, you should listen to all of the episodes as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process, prompting you to come up with your own follow-up questions for when you visit campus or meet with a college admissions representative yourself. Lastly, if you have any questions you'd like me to cover on future episodes or any comments you'd like to share, please email me at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.collegeadmissionstalk.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you today Michael Splen, who's an admissions counselor at Providence College. Michael, thank you so much for being here today. How are you? Thank you so much, John. I'm doing really well. I'm, I'm very excited to be able to be on this podcast and uh, share with you and your listeners uh, some, some advice on the college admission process and just a little bit about Providence College. So thank you so much for having me. Well, we are very thankful to having you and we really look forward to this conversation. So Michael, why don't we start by asking you to tell us about yourself. How long have you been an admissions counselor and how did you end up in such a position? Sure. Uh, absolutely. So um, I grew up in upstate New York, so I didn't grow up in, in Providence, Rhode Island. I'm from the Albany, Troy area of New York. Providence College was recommended to me by my college counselor. Um, you know, back in the day, that's kind of how I found the school. I attended Providence College. I, I was a double major in both business management and theology uh, here at PC. And uh, upon graduation, I actually didn't go right into uh, college admissions, though while a student, I did a lot of admissions-related work. Um, I was one of our admission ambassadors uh, on campus. So, you know, I would regularly talk with families or speak at the info sessions from a student perspective. Um, I gave tours over the summer and things like that. So um, I definitely had an appreciation for college admissions uh, as a student. I moved to Boston after I graduated in 2019 uh, from Providence College. I did sales for a couple of years um, up there in Boston. And then uh, it was last year um, that I kind of started looking at admissions again. And um, this opportunity came along at the right time at Providence College. So I've been in the counselor role for, for a year now. But um, in terms of my experience with admissions, like I said, a lot as a student as well. Um, but being on the counselor side is obviously a little bit different. It's given me a ton of insight into uh, kind of what goes on behind the scenes, obviously. And then since being here at Providence, um, you know, so not only do I read applications and go on the road and attend college fairs and visit high schools and talk to students about Providence College, but I also now have an active role in overseeing our admission ambassador organization here. So I get to work a lot with current students and um, I get to 
do some campus programming things. So I help out with the fall open house and kind of our admitted students day programs, uh, as well as do some social media work and technology stuff too. So I have a hand in a few different things in the office here, but it's been, it's been fantastic so far. Well, that's terrific. And thank you so much for that introduction, Michael. We truly look forward to hearing about the overall college admissions process and of course, Providence yeah. College. So tell us, Michael, what is it about Providence College that makes it so appealing for so many students to want to apply and ultimately attend? Yeah, so you know, I think ultimately what a lot of students realize uh, when they step foot on, on PC's campus is um, some of the feedback we, we get of what they notice right away is uh, our campus community, the, the Friar family, so to speak, as we call <laughs> it. Uh, and we'll certainly talk a little bit more about that. But I think then once they're here and once they start learning about uh, what we actually have to offer academically, I think that's really when um, when Providence College starts to starts to sell itself. You know, we're we're at small to medium sized school. We're we're just over four thousand undergraduate students. So, you know, from a social perspective, you can be walking around campus and you'll be seeing people you know all the time. Obviously, it's small enough. You know, you'll see classmates and people who you're in clubs with and things like that. But you're also meeting new people all the time too. It's kind of that perfect mix. But really, where our size plays the biggest advantage is in the classroom. So. You know, we're the we're the kind of school I always tell families this when, um, you know, when they're visiting us, you know, if you're looking for the kind of school where you can show up in the back of a 300 person lecture hall and fall asleep <laughs> or or miss class, you know, a couple times a week and no one will notice. We're definitely not going to be the right school for you. Um, you know, Providence is the kind of place where the first day of class, your professor might say to you, hey, I have an extra credit assignment. Come get a cup of coffee with me this afternoon and I'll be I'll be at Dunkin Donuts. Um we, you know, I, I'd love to have you come by and, and just grab a cup of coffee so we can get to know each other so that so that I can start to learn from you from the outset, you know, how my class is going to benefit you, not only this semester, not only to get you an A, right, but but how you and I can start working together right now to, to make sure that my class can benefit you for the future. And so I, you know, I always say that I think that the the best relationships you have when you leave PC are obviously your classmates. Um, but some of the strongest relationships you have are also with the, the faculty members and, and your professors uh, and stuff too. You know, it wasn't too long ago last summer, um, I was able to actually attend a wedding of a professor who I had had wow. you know, back in the day, who I had done <laughs> some research stuff with for a couple semesters and kind of worked really closely with. And so we've stayed in touch, obviously, you know, since, since leaving PC. And so it really is that kind of place where... Um, your the, the faculty are going to want to get to know you and 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 get to know the ways in which they can help you to succeed right now and in the future and i think that students really get a sense of that when they come and visit us when they go to a day in friartown which is a shadow day here right where um you can kind of come and you can shadow a current student you go to class with them you go to the dining hall you see what it's like to be a student and a lot of the feedback we get is you know I, they were, they're very, um, they're very taken aback by how um, purposeful the conversations are in the classroom and how the professors know everybody by name and they want it to be more of a discussion and not a lecture um, and, and to involve everybody. So the, the academics are, are something that I think really sell themselves. Obviously the, the community too, being such a small school as well, you know, we're the smallest school in the Big East Conference. So we have that small school, that big school sports. So 
Um, lots of school spirit, lots of, you know, pride for the, for the Providence College Friars. Uh, it really is just that kind of place that has a lot to offer. And then, of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, of course, both the, the Dominican Friars and, you know, we're, we're a Catholic school, but we're the only school in the country that's run by the Dominican Friars. So we have 50 Friars who live here on campus. And um, they are, you know, at their heart, obviously, a, a Catholic religious order, but they're an intellectual order, and they've been teaching for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, and so, you know, regardless if you want to make faith a part of your college experience, you will experience the Dominican Friars in the classroom. And that's that's almost a given. And not just in theology and philosophy classes, but they teach the sciences and the, the business school and mathematics and the arts. Um, and then the last thing that I would say, too, would be the city of Providence. I think that city of Providence is a little bit kind of flies under the radar uh, in terms of a, a college town. There are eight colleges right here in the city of Providence alone. And so, um, you know, I think that I think that students realize uh, in, in talking with current students about how they experience the city of Providence, uh, that this really is a great place to be a college student. So, uh, we have a lot going for us at, at PC. We're, we're growing, you know, in terms of obviously population size, just a little bit, but also, um, we're building new buildings on campus. We have a new residence hall coming in right now. We've completely redone our dining services on campus. We've been building new schools. We've built a new science school, a new business school, new athletic facilities. So um, it's a great time to be to, to be a friar. Well, that is a terrific introduction, and I love how you explained the tight knit family feel. Whether it's student to student, student to professor. I yeah. also read a statistic recently, Michael, that well over 90%, well over 90% of the students actually return, which of course is a testament yeah. to the work that you do in admissions in terms of selecting the correct students to mm -hmm. come and to be a friar at Providence mm -hmm. College, but also the family feel that is fostered throughout the entire university on campus, yeah. which leads me to my next question, because many students and their parents have actually reached out suggesting that I ask about life on campus. Sure. So Michael, what can you tell us about life on campus at Providence College outside of the classroom? Sure. Uh, well, so so the first thing I would say is that most of our students live on campus. Um, students live on campus for the first three years, and then for senior year, they have the option to, to live off campus. So with the exception of a handful of commuter students, students who live locally and commute, really the, the the big portion of our community lives together on campus. Um, we don't have Greek life at PC and and that's definitely an, an intentional on our part because you know we we want to have one big friar family. We don't want to have an environment where anybody um, anybody feels excluded uh, from anything and and um, we don't want you know clicks forming and things like that. We we really want um, a community and we, and we have fostered that. So I would say the, the, the student life experience is this, you know, you'll hear about schools where um, they'll call them and, and I don't, I don't mean to, to be colloquial here, but suitcase schools almost right where, um, <laughs> you know, on the weekends on a Friday afternoon, when you're done with classes, you're kind of packing up and heading back home and um, because there's not much to do around. We are not that school uh, at all. I mean, when I when I attended PC, my mom was was wishing I would come home you know, more than I did. Um, 
but we, we are the kind of place where you could expect on a daily basis to obviously wake up to attend class to, to get some homework done. But on weeknights, you have meetings for clubs and organizations that you're involved in. You have intramural athletic games. Um, you're going downtown to the Dunkin' Donuts Center to cheer on the, the, the Friars. Um, or you're going to hockey games or, you know, other athletic games here on campus. Um, you are going down to the city of Providence, uh, which is only a quick five minute drive away. You know, we have our own campus, but we're only a five minute drive from just the heart of downtown. So you're going into downtown Providence to explore new restaurants, um, to, to go to special events, uh, that are taking place down in the city. Um, and that's just on weeknights weekends. I mean, we, we have, a an organization on campus called the Board of Programmers. And we have, we have a number of organizations on campus that are planning on campus events and activities, but the Board of Programmers is one that I'll kind of highlight. Um, and their, you know, their mission is to have special events for students on campus every like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. Um, so, you know, your students aren't bored. Um, you know, they're, they're going to McPhail's, which is our on-campus student entertainment center for, you know, live music or uh, trivia nights or um, special game watches. Um, they are uh, taking travel. They're, they're taking trips to plays down at the Providence Performing Arts Center or up to Red Sox games at Fenway Park, because uh, obviously Boston is pretty accessible too. Um, really, really what what the student experience is, is all about um, is to work, work very hard. Um, our students succeed academically, and I don't want that to, 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 to be lost here. Um, you know, 96% of our graduates are full-time employed or in a graduate program wow. you know, out, outside of when, once they graduate from Providence College, which, and 93% of them are in their desired field, which is my favorite statistic wow. that we have. That is, um, that is outstanding. Yeah, so 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 I don't want that to get lost. You know, our students work hard, but our students also have a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> we uh, we're we're the kind of environment where you're you're working hard, obviously academically, but you are taking the time to enjoy uh, your four years of college. You're enjoying the people around you. Um, you're enjoying your friends. You're enjoying the clubs and organizations that you've chosen to to involve yourself in, um, and so. Yeah, I would say that that's kind of the, the student life experience here. I want to welcome back Sean Patel, who is the founder and CEO of Prep Expert. He's a Shark Tank entrepreneur making a deal with Mark Cuban back in 2016. And he's also a board certified dermatologist who received a perfect score on his SAT. Sean, welcome back. How you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back, John. So I just wanted to share with all your listeners real quick that we have an amazing partnership with the College Admissions Process Podcast, and we have a really special offer for all of your listeners. So for any listener who wants to enroll their student into one of our prep expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one-on-one -on -one tutoring programs, you can get 30% off just for being a listener of the College Admissions Process Podcast. All you need to do is put in the promo code College Talk, one word, just College Talk, and that'll give you 30% off 
all prep expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one-on-one -on -one tutoring packages, make sure you use the link in the show notes of the College Admissions Process Podcast. Thank you, Sean. We really appreciate it. To our listeners, as an affiliate partner with Prep Expert, I want to be transparent with you that for every purchase made using our coupon code, which is College Talk, the College Admissions Process Podcast will receive a small commission from Prep Expert. But rest assured that we only promote programs that we believe in and feel would benefit our listeners. So whether you're preparing for the SAT, ACT, or need a one on one tutor, Prep Expert has the tools and expertise to help you. For more information, please see the Prep Expert affiliate partnership link in the show notes. And now let's get back to the show. Well, that's a tremendous overview. Thank you so much, Michael. Yeah. We really appreciate it. And Michael, how many applications do you review a year and do you represent a specific region? Yeah, so our office, um, all 17 of us in the admission office, we read uh, just over 11,000 applications um, wow. a year. I myself will be the first reader on just over 700 this past year. Um, you know, and that encompasses all of our deadlines. So from, you know, early in the fall, all the way, you know, through, um, through March, really. Um, and, and we'll talk, we'll talk more about that, uh, certainly. But yeah, so I'll read just over 700 myself. Um, but as an office, you know, just just over, over 11,000, I represent upstate New York, uh, Suffolk County, Long Island, and then parts of the south. So I have the Carolinas and Georgia as well. Um, so I will be the first reader on any application that comes in from those territories, um, but not the only reader. So um, all of our applications are read by at least two counselors, um, but I will be the first reader on any applications from my territory. And the same goes for everyone else in my office. Well, we appreciate the insight. And I was curious, what are the different ways a student may apply to Providence College? Mm -hmm. And is there a benefit to applying one way over the other? Yeah, certainly. So there are four ways to apply to Providence College. Um, when I say ways, I mean more so deadlines and types of application. There's <laughs> one way to apply to Providence College, that's through the common application. Um, but in terms of deadlines, so the, the first two I would mention would be early action and regular decision. So early action is a November 1st deadline and regular decision is a January 15th deadline. Those are the, those are just as an application to Providence College. And I, I want to, to definitely make it clear that at least at Providence, there is no special advantage to applying one way or the other uh, by way of how it's read. So, you know, it's it's not like early action is going to get you kind of special, special treatment um, or, you know, that we accept more students at one deadline or the other or anything like that. But a big difference to know in, in terms of making your decision on how to apply is that if you apply early action November 1st, we're only going to be able to see your grades from the first three years of high school and then your senior course schedule. If you apply regular decision January 15th, we'll be able to see your grades from the first three years of high school as well as the first semester of your senior year. Um, and so you know, if you're a student who's on kind of an upward trajectory and you think that you think that that first semester senior year is going to really present your application well, um, it's going to highlight 
the progress that you've made academically over your four years of high school, then it's worth waiting for that deadline to apply because we'll be able to see those grades. Um, but if you're somebody who, you know, you're confident in those first three years, you're confident in your senior year course schedule and you want to get that submitted, you will then, you know, the, the, the one advantage just personally for you as a student is that you'll hear back from us sooner. So you'll hear back from us by Christmas time and then you have more months, more time to kind of make that final decision before the May 1st enrollment deadline. The other two ways to apply to Providence College are early decision one and early decision two. They coincide with the same deadlines of November 1st and January 15th, but these are binding contracts. So, so these are for students who come and visit us at PC and you say, um, you say, I love my tour. I love my time at Providence. Maybe you came back and did a shadow day and you saw what it was like in the classroom and you really, you really are confident that this is the place that you want to spend. Um, you want to spend the next four years and, and, you're confident enough in that to make a binding agreement, which says, if you accept me to Providence College, I will attend. I'm essentially promising to attend. That does come with advantages. So early decision applications at both deadlines uh, will be the first ones we read. And so you'll hear back from us very, very quickly uh, on an early decision application. So Theoretically, for a November 1st deadline, you could be sitting around your Thanksgiving table already knowing where you're attending college, right? <laughs> um, which certainly has has some advantages. It is also the best way to, and this, this goes for most schools, I would say, that offer an early decision. It's the best way to let a school know that this is your top choice, right? Um, you can obviously indicate that a school is your top choice in different ways, even if you don't apply early decision. But to actually sign a binding agreement that says you want to come to PC, you know, we as admission counselors will look at that and say, okay, this is a student who definitely wants to be here at Providence College. And we will factor that into the, the decision we make um, on an admission basis. So, Well, I appreciate that overview. And I was yeah. just curious, you mentioned that you last year reviewed 700 applications yourself. Yeah. So Michael, can you walk us through the process of how do you evaluate so many applications? Are there teams of people representing different regions? If yeah. so, how many applications is each group reviewing? People always ask about the evaluation process. So any additional insight you could provide would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, certainly. So, and again, this will be different at, at, at most schools, I would say. Most schools do things, everyone everyone has a little little bit of a difference to their process. But the way we approach it is, so like I said, so I oversee certain territories. So I'll be the first reader on any application for those territories. So the first thing that I'm going to do is look at the academic pieces. I will recalculate a GPA, which uh, we'll maybe talk about in, in, in a little bit. Um, I'll assign a strength of curriculum score. Once I'm done with that for all of my applications in my batch, that's when I'll go back and actually read through the entire thing. And we're, we do a holistic review. We read the entire application start to finish. So anything that you send to us will get read. Um, we, we, we definitely guarantee that. Once I'm done with an application, I will, I will make a decision on it. So um, I can either, in certain, in certain cases, invite a student. Um, and then at that point, that will just get checked by a second reader and in most cases approved if a student is um, ha has a certain, I guess, has met certain criteria, right? Or I can deliver other decisions. And then that's that application would either then get read by a second counselor 
and then that counselor could agree with my decision or disagree, or it will get read by our entire committee. And so toward the end of the process, after we've all done our first reading and second reading, there are a batch of applications that will go to a full committee where our entire office sits together uh, over the course of a couple weeks um, and kind of fills in those gaps and talks about students. Um, and, and this is where, you know, the holistic review of the application comes into play because there's a lot of things that numbers alone would miss. And those are the kinds of conversations that come up in the committee process. Um, so, you know, we really take our time to make sure that uh, we're not, to making sure that we're not missing any crucial information about students and that every student is given a, a fair and f complete review um, by as many counselors as possible, but at least two. Well, again, we appreciate the overview. Thank you so much, Michael. And what is the average profile of the current freshman class in terms of GPA and any other related data you collect, such as SAT or ACT scores? Sure. So, uh, so for grade point average, um, we were, we, we've been going up. Uh, this was our best year in terms of grade point average. And this is going it, to, it'll be a little bit, I guess, tricky to, to put in context because we recalculate our GPAs onto an unweighted 4.0 scale. But on that unweighted 4.0 scale, we're somewhere between like a 3.65 and a 3.7, um, kind of somewhere in that range. Uh, the other thing that is important for us is not only that grade point average, but a strength of curriculum, which is essentially a score in which, you know, we're, we're giving a score between one and 10 based on the um, rigor of the curriculum that a student has decided to take. So it's only based off of what is offered to that student at their institution. So they're not being compared to, you know, other institutions who maybe offer more AP classes or an IB curriculum or things like that. But within the curriculum that's offered at your high school, you know, how much challenge did you decide to take on? Um, and so for sector curriculum, we're typically somewhere between like high sevens to mid eights, you know, from a one through 10, um, which could look, you know, essentially like a, a handful of AP courses and a handful of honors courses um, would kind of constitute that seven to eight range. For SATs, we're in like the kind of like 660 to 700 range for each of the subject areas of the SAT and around the 31 for ACT. Um, but we are a test optional institution, which, um, you know, maybe we can talk a little bit about too. Uh, and so the data on SATs and ACTs can get a little bit skewed um, sometimes because obviously being a test, test optional institution, not everybody does send scores. So um, but that's kind of our our overall data uh, on on this class. It is our most this year was our most competitive class um, in in recorded histories, uh, which was great. So, well, we appreciate that. And you mentioned that Providence College is in fact test optional, and I did in fact read that it's been test optional for quite a long time. But yeah. I was very curious to know: could you share with us the percentage of students that applied? without submitting scores. And then it would be great to know the percentage of students that were actually admitted who did not in fact submit scores. Yeah, so so the first thing I would say is even historically, so we have been test optional. This will be our 17th year now right. uh, being test right. optional. And so a lot of schools 
it's a little bit newer uh, due to the pandemic, uh, you know, being test optional. But for us, it's nothing new. And pretty much always, you know, I, I would say that the percentage of students who apply test optional and the percentage of students who are admitted test optional, those are those percentages are pretty similar, um, you know. But but what's different, what's changed, you know, since COVID is that test optional applications and therefore invites have increased quite a bit. Sure. Um, so last year was the, we received the most test optional applications and invites that we have. Uh, it was around 65%. Wow. Um, so it's like around 65% of our students apply test optional and were invited test optional. That's up from what was kind of around 30 to 40% before the pandemic. Um, and then this year we were right around 55% of our students applied test optional and then they were therefore invited test optional. Um, you know, here at PC, we, we truly believe that your four years of academic performance throughout high school is the best indicator of your success academically here on our campus, um, more so than you know one exam on a Saturday morning. That's what we believe. We've, the data has shown us that that is the case. So, um, but certainly, if you have strong scores, please send those because um, we will look at them and, and we will you know, certainly take them for what they're worth. Uh, and, and they will help your application. But yeah, so right around 55% for the class of 2026 applied test optional and were therefore admitted test optional. Well, that's great information. And thank you so much for the overview, even in terms sure. of the freshman class. We appreciate it. Sure. And Michael, if a prospective student falls a little below the current freshman class's average, what are some of the things they can do to enhance their overall application? Sure. Uh, that, that's a great question. I, I think the biggest part will come down to the other pieces on the common application. Um, so, you know, like I said, we do a holistic review of applications, so I will read anything you send. So a student who, a student who let's say, is below our averages in terms of academics, what are some things that could help that student uh, in our admission process? So one of those things is going to be kind of an, an impressive extracurricular resume. You know, if they're doing a lot of things, if they have a lot of leadership uh, that they're taking on outside of the classroom, uh, those things are all um, certainly noted and important to us. We have a supplemental piece in the Common App, um, which is essentially a supplemental essay question that is specific to Providence College. There are three prompts there. Um, and you can just choose one of them, and it's a very short essay. Um, but I think you'd be you'd be surprised the number of students who choose who opt out of completing a supplemental essay question. Um, and it's always sort of striking to us because it is optional, and certainly plenty of students get invited to Providence College and admitted who don't complete the supplemental essay. So that, that's uh, I'm not saying that it's required uh, in any way, but that is something that, you know, if we see the supplemental essay completed um, and we can tell that they put a lot of hard work and thought into that, um, that's something that will certainly weigh in the decision as well. Strong letters of recommendation from, from I guess, teachers, coaches, people outside of the classroom who really, who really know the student and can speak to kind of different aspects of that student's life. Um, are always really important and, and go a long way. Um, so I would say 
just in general, the amount of time and effort and work that you put into um, that you put into the application that we can see on the back end, you know, the student, the student really spent a lot of time on their application and wanted to maximize it and, and, and make it strong. You know, and I think it's always nice too to kind of hear perhaps um, from a student personally, hear from them about their interest in Providence College. You know, we don't track demonstrated interest here at PC. So you're not getting points on your application for like the amount of times that you came and visited us um, or the amount of info sessions or webinars that you attended. But what we will see are notes from an interview, which we offer interviews, they're optional, but we'll see notes from an interview. We will see any email communication that, you know, I've had. So if if I email back and forth with a student, when I go back to read that application, I'm going to see that those email exchanges in the actual application itself. And the purpose for that is um, I might pick up on things that I remember that, oh, this student emailed me and said that when they came and visited Providence College, you know, they they were stricken by the the communal feel of the campus. They they were kind of, you know, taken aback by how many students would stop and hold the door for them or welcome them to Providence College, you know, and they really got the sense that this is a place where they like to spend their time. Now, if I'm reading an application and I go back and I see that email exchange, um, I'm going to say, okay, this is a student who does really care about Providence College. So um, I would say, take the time to reach out to your admission counselors too. Um, we, we Counselor isn't just my job title, but it is really what, what we do is we're here to help. We're here to help you through the process. And if you have a good experience on our campus, we, we, we want to know that. So those things can all go a long way. Um, we really are a holistic re reviewing school. Um, we admit plenty of students who perhaps fall below those averages, but have taken the time to amplify their application in other areas. Well, those are great pieces of advice, Michael. I really appreciate you talking about demonstrated interest. And yeah. I understand that you don't necessarily track it. It's not necessarily required. But students, if you're on the fence or if the admissions office is on the fence in terms of whether or not you're going to be admitted, if in fact you submitted a well-thought-out supplemental essay, that could only help you. Right. If, in fact, you visited campus and, like you said, Michael, there has been an email exchange, maybe students, you send an email out initially to say, I'm going to be on campus on such and such a date. Michael, are you going to be available? Maybe you follow up with Michael, whether or not you met with him or not on campus to let him know what your thoughts were. These are little things that end up in your package, your application package, and may help you. They certainly right. can't hurt you. But they can certainly help if, in right. fact, the decision whether to admit you or not is 50-50. So, Michael, that's tremendous advice. I really appreciate that insight. And I know sure. it's going to be helping a lot of students and their parents. I was also curious, does Providence College accept AP, IB, or SAT subject tests for credit? Yeah, so we, we accept uh, AP uh, college transfer credits from, you know, community colleges or any colleges um, that you take a college level course, we will accept those. Um, in terms of specifics, we have a database online where you can kind of access, um, you'll, you'll see what scores you would need on what AP exams in order to, you know, have those, those credits accepted. 
what they would count for here at PC. Uh, and if you just kind of Google transfer courses, Providence College, you, that all of that information would come up as well as a way to kind of search for community colleges where you maybe take courses um, and see what those would, would, would qualify for. But the answer is yes, uh, we, we, we take them sometimes to cover a core requirement or sometimes just as a free elective that will, you know, you'll end up with more credits on your transcript upon graduation and, and things like that. Well, I appreciate that. And I know that you mentioned earlier that you do, in fact, recalculate the student's GPA, which is on their transcript. Yeah. Could you just dig a little deeper and explain to us what exactly does that look like? Sure, absolutely. So when I receive a, a transcript, um, the first thing I'm going to do is recalculate a GPA. And how I'm going to do that is I'm going to take the the raw scores from the five core subject areas of English, math, science, social science, and world language. If you go to a religious institution, we will count a religion or philosophy class as well. So it's five or six of those courses. We'll take the scores. And regardless of what scale the school uses, whether it's you know out of 100 or ABC um, or one of the other kind of crazy <laughs> grading scales that exist out there, um, We'll take that and we will recalculate an unweighted 4.0 GPA. Um, now, our purpose for doing that is um, really to kind of have our entire applicant pool on a level playing field that really helps us for data purposes, as well as kind of planning out a class. Um, we want to have, you know, it'd be impossible to know where you stand as a, a full class that you're accepting if you have some schools that are all A and some students who have you know, 92s and 93s. And um, so that gets kind of complicated. So we will recalculate onto an unweighted 4.0 scale. But then on the flip side of that is we'll assign that strength of curriculum score. So that's where the advantages of taking AP courses, IB level courses, honors courses, college, uh, that's where those advantages will come into play. And that comprises the academic review. So if we're looking at a student academically, we will always look at both strength of curriculum and grade point average. And that's how that student will be viewed from an academic perspective. Well, we appreciate that, of course, Michael. And yeah. a student's activity sheet is obviously another piece of their application. What are the kinds of things that you're looking for beyond the work they did in the classroom? Yeah, so the students who are successful at Providence College, and I mentioned this a little bit, uh, the students who are successful here on campus are those who are going to get involved. So we wanna see a student who's well-rounded, who is, you know, not only kind of involved in one specific thing, um, but is involved in a few different things. So maybe athletics and a club at school and a service organization, or maybe they're involved at their church, or perhaps they work part-time, um, or perhaps after school on weeknights, they babysit younger siblings, right? Um, you know, I think that students maybe sometimes get wrapped up in, oh, like, this isn't important. I'll leave that off. But if it's important to you and if it takes up a significant amount of your time outside of the classroom, then it's going to be important to us. Uh, we, you know, we want to we want to know what you're doing and, and what takes up your time. Another thing that's important, too, is take the time to really brag about yourself. You know, I've 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 um, I've heard from some college counselors the resume called the brag sheet. And I think that's exactly right. Um, it should be a brag sheet. So, you know, if you are, if you're a basketball player, you know, but you're the captain of the team, 
and you have, you know, you, you made perhaps, you know, a regional uh, team as well. And like, take the time to brag about those things. Tell us you're the captain. Don't just say you play on the team, right? Um, humility is a great quality and something that I, I that will take, takes our students, um, something that our students certainly practice is humility, but not on the brag sheet for your college, <laughs> for your college application. Or maybe you are a shift supervisor at work, or maybe you are the vice president of National Honor Society, or um, perhaps you co-founded a service project. Take the time to highlight those specific roles and responsibilities within those organizations. And then the last thing I'll say about the brag sheet, this is something that we see quite a bit that I always give as advice. If you are a part of something that has an acronym, uh, something like, you know, N-E-T-T-P um, or, you know, the ASD organization uh, on campus. Make sure you tell us what that is. <laughs> well, sometimes where it's like, you know, I'm the president of such and such organization. It's like, that's awesome. Uh, you know, congratulations. But what does the organization do? <laughs> what, what is that? You know, you don't have to explain to me what the captain of the basketball team is. I know what that means. But some of the organizations, you know, I don't go to school there, so I don't know what you know what that what that is. So uh, that would be the last piece of advice on the brag sheet. Well, those are great pieces of advice on yeah. the brag sheet. I particularly like that you mentioned putting down such things as having to watch a sibling, perhaps as an elderly relative that you are required to care for while parents are working. Those things are very insightful in terms of students. Right. What you need to do as a young adult, but it also might give insight into the fact that you're not involved in five, six, eight other activities because of the responsibilities you have at, at home. Uh, what I'll also add is if you have a part-time job, make sure that it is listed. So much is learned yeah. at your first part-time job in terms of responsibility and so many other aspects of life. So great advice, Michael. We really appreciate it. And Michael, how important are students' grades in senior year? And can you give an example of why a student's senior year grades made you change your mind regarding their admission status? Yeah, so I would say I would say the the importance of senior year grades is going to depend a little bit on when you apply. So if you apply to PC early action, again, I'm I'm only going to see the first three years, and then I'll see your senior year course schedule, but I won't see any senior year grades. So if those first three years are very strong and the rest of your application is very strong as well, um, then senior year grades won't play much of a factor. Um, we will we will still receive your senior year reports. So even if you're invited to Providence College and you decide to enroll, um, if you take like, you know, a massive kind of dip in your grade senior year, we're going to probably reach out and ask, you know, what happened? Are you doing okay? Like um, kind of figure <laughs> out what the situation is there. However, um, we won't see those in reviewing the application. Now, where they become important are going to be if you apply regular decision. We're going to see those first semester grades. And we're, we're really going to want to see, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be your best semester ever, but we're going to want to see that you are still kind of on an upward trend, that you are still uh, kind of growing academically. Um, we're we're, we're going to want to see that you haven't, perhaps uh, put in less effort um, <laughs> for, for senior year, um, which is, of course, an understandable temptation. Uh, but we want to see that you're kind of still 
performing at the same standard. Where I would say senior year grades are most important for students are a student who perhaps applies early action and we defer their application to regular decision. Um, one of the main reasons why we would ever defer a student um, from early action to regular decision, which would essentially mean you're not, we're not saying no, we're just going to read your application again at, at a later date. And the main reason that we would do that would be because um, we want to see senior year grades. And so if that's the case, perhaps it's a student who, you know, is going from a 3-2 to a 3-4 and is now a 3-6 junior year. We want to see, you know, is that upward trend going to continue for this student? Um, and so for those students who are deferred that first semester senior year, those grades become very important in the process. Well, again, that's great insight, and we really appreciate you explaining that process. Thank you so much, Michael. Yeah. Obviously, the college essay is another piece of the overall application. What are some right. examples of college essays that really stuck with you? In other words, when you read them, you thought, wow, I really need to meet this applicant. <laughs> yeah, I've had a, I've had a, I've had a few uh, essays that I think stand out uh, to me. Really, what what I love personally, and I, I can speak for, for many of my colleagues as well, what we love are, are hearing stories uh, in essays. I think that those are the ones that kind of stand out to us the most are students who are able to effectively kind of tell us a story that captures perhaps a moment in time in their life, and um, but also is, is able to explain to us a little bit about who they are that we might not see in other parts of the application, right? So a um, couple quick examples. I had an essay that a student wrote. Um, it was all about their Spotify playlists, but they told they 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 structured the essay in a way in which they created playlists on Spotify, and the name of the playlists were just dates. And sh this student explained how these dates, um, if any, if any of their friends were, you know, looking at their Spotify account or anybody found their Spotify account, none of these playlists would make any sense. The only person who the playlist makes sense to is this student, um, because these were moments in time when um, they were going through something and they were feeling a certain way. And these are the songs that they associate with that feeling, with how they felt at that moment in time. Um, perhaps when they were, you know, on a family vacation um, and they, they felt um, just joy or perhaps they had the loss of a loved one. Um, and the, this is how they're feeling at that time. Uh, and so that's one essay that, that really stood out to me. I'm, I'm a big fan of music myself, so it resonated <laughs> with me. Right. Um, but I just thought that the way they were able to effectively kind of use music as a medium to tell stories about their life uh, was super effective. One more that I would say too was about a student who went um, on a trip to you know Disney uh, as a kid and actually got unfortunately separated from their family while on this trip <laughs> and they found you know a, a, I think it was a police officer a security guard something and they were like, oh like do you know where you might find their family and and she's like yeah yes, probably at our hotel and the student as like a little child, 
actually directed the security guard or police back to where they were staying. And she kind of used this to turn around to how she's always been independent and always um, has, has felt as though she's been able to advocate for herself and, um, you know, um, operate, you know, independently and with autonomy. Um, and I thought that was a really cool essay as well. You know, I think that with the college essay, the, the, the biggest part is to, to be authentic to who you are. The essays that I think are the most frustrating for us are ones where perhaps, you know, you spend some time talking about, let's say you want to talk about, you know, a grandparent, for example. And I think that's great. I love my grandparents. I'm happy to hear about your grandparents. But you want to make sure that when we get done reading the essay, we want to invite you to Providence and not your grandparents. <laughs> right? I think that that's the biggest frustration that we see with the college essay are, um, are students who can tell a great story or tell great stories about other people, but not really tie it into who they are themselves. You know, we want to leave the essay knowing something new about you that we wouldn't have necessarily known otherwise from other parts of your application. Well, that's great advice. Thank you so much for that. We really appreciate it. Yeah. And Michael, I was also curious about students that may have had IEPs or 504s while in high school. Does Providence sure. College offer any supports for them while on campus? And if so, can you just explain them to us? Yeah, so we have both the um, Office of Academic Services and the Writing Center both work in collaboration to help all students, regardless of the academic supports that they need. Um, that office is being re kind of, I guess, restructured right now to become the Student Success Center. Uh, and so, yes, yeah, so for students who have IEPs or, or four, 504s, um, though they will meet with you and be able to support you on an individual case by case basis based on what it is that you need. So for some students, it's perhaps, you know, extended time frames to take exams and you're able to do that or extended time periods to kind of write and receive writing support and guidance. Uh, for some students, it involves, um, you know, actually having notes kind of delivered from the class to the students so that they don't have to be worried about taking notes during class and they can kind of just focus on listening and things like that. So whatever a student needs in terms of academic support, those um, situations are all handled on a case-by-case -case basis here at PC for this, from the Student Success Center. And they're incredibly effective and incredibly dedicated to, to what they do. Uh, it's one of, in my opinion, our best offices on campus. Well, I appreciate that. And I'm going to obviously link the Office of Undergraduate Admissions in the show notes. Yeah. Michael, if there's anything else that you want me to include, just send it to me and we'll make it available to all of the students and their Absolutely. parents. What about students aspiring to play sports in college? What advice do you have for prospective student athletes in terms of making their intentions to play known? Yeah, so I think it requires a certain level of intentionality and, you know, honest self-reflection in terms of what level you want to play athletics at in college. Um, if you are, an, you know, if you are an athlete who is confident that you want to play Division I athletics, you want to be, you know, a varsity athlete at a Division I school like Providence and compete in the Big East Conference, um, then your best course of action in that case is to start reaching out to coaches uh, to perhaps find um, perhaps not necessarily agents, but there are, you know, people and organizations out there who can kind of help link you with certain coaches. But the rest of the college search is still important as well, you know, to to go to a school just for their their athletic reputation. Um, 
is not always the best idea. You still want to find a school that is going to support you academically and support your other goals and be in a geographic location that you want to spend the next four years in uh, and kind of have some of those key other factors that, that are going to be important to you as well. But in terms of making yourself known, you know, for the most part, coaches are pretty responsive uh, to kind of receiving outreach. Friars.com is a different website than Providence.edu. Friars.com is our athletics site. And so at Providence, you know, you can find the contact information of coaches for all of our athletic teams. You can reach out, send them videos, send them highlights, um, introduce yourself. But don't overlook the Office of Admission as well. Reach out to us as admission counselors because we have athletic liaisons in our office for every single sports team. We have ways to connect you with the right parties as well uh, from an admission perspective. And I imagine that the same applies for other schools as well. Well, we appreciate that. And Michael, this has been a tremendous conversation. In conclusion, I'd like to ask, what are the top three pieces of advice you would give a student and their parents who are getting ready for the college admissions process? Yeah, that's a great question. Right off the bat, something that jumps out to me and would be to find a way to organize your thoughts. And I think that the best way to do that is a spreadsheet. Um, I think spreadsheets can be incredibly effective. When you start your college process, you know, the first step in the, in the search process should be research. And this can be done obviously on your own doing research, but also with the help of your college counselor, hopefully at your high school, with the guidance department, with your family, um, and start to put together a spreadsheet. It should be pretty long at first. You should have kind of a long list of schools that have certain things you like about them. Make sure that you have different categories for things that are important to you. So if geographic location is important to you, where the school is located, um, whether it's in a city or it's a rural school, um, size of the population, academic major that's offered at the institution, do they have the right major for you, for what you're looking for? Or if you're undeclared, do they have a really good undeclared advising program? Um, what is the student life like? Um, are they a suitcase school, so to speak, or are students spending time on campus? So find the things that are important to you, create a spreadsheet. And then once you start visiting colleges, you start building out that spreadsheet. You're probably deleting schools from the list. Maybe you're adding new ones, but that's going to help you in the long run for when you go to start applying to schools that you already have that kind of funnel, that list, that spreadsheet of schools. So that's the first thing. The second thing I would say is at any school you're looking at, we think especially here at Providence College, this is important, but for any school you're looking at, take advantage of any opportunities that are given to you to connect with current students. Um, you know, obviously, admission counselors, we can give you a ton of great information, and many of us are alumni of the school, so we can give you a student perspective, um, and we can give you all the data, all the fast facts, all the things you need to know there. But the best way to learn about any institution is to talk to students who are currently attending that institution. Find out from them what they like the most about their academic major, how they have been supported academically uh, and in terms of career goals. Um, find out what they love about the student life. Find out maybe things that they don't like about the school too. Um, you know, Ask questions like, you know, if you could change one or two things about this school, what would those things be? Um, current students, 
connect with them as much as possible. And then the third thing I would say is be sure to keep an open mind. I think that many students can come into an, the admission process with perhaps certain you know, biases or certain perceptions that they have about certain institutions, both good and bad, right? You know, perhaps, perhaps you have a sibling who attended a school and they loved it and they had the best four years of their life. You know, maybe you get wrapped up in like a, oh, well, you know, my older brother really loved it there. So, you know, I'm sure I would love it too. But then you come to campus and maybe you don't really feel like this is the right school for you, but you kind of are like still going back to like, oh, well, my brother liked it. So I'll like it. <laughs> Not every student is going to have the same experience at the same school. You know, you you might have things that are important to you at your for your four years of college that weren't the same for your brother or weren't the same for your friend. But the same can be on the flip side, too. Maybe somebody attended somewhere and it's like, oh, that was, you know, too small for me. Um, you know, I, I didn't I didn't like how how small it was, but, but it might be the right fit for you. So go into every college tour, every visit with it with an open mind and try to avoid those kinds of biases that come in based on the experience that you've heard from others. Well, those are great pieces of advice. I'm so happy because this has been a tremendous conversation and I know it's going to help so many students and their parents. This has been awesome. Michael, thank you so much for your time and your expertise today. We truly appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me, John. It's been it's been fantastic. The last thing I would say is for any students who would, would be looking at Providence College, please come and visit us. We love, love, love having students visiting us, prospective students and families, lots of ways to, to come and see us. But John, thank you so much. I'm glad that, that this conversation, I hope, will, will be to the benefit of, of all of your listeners. It certainly will. And uh, what else is there to say? How about go Friars? <laughs> go Friars. Exactly. Thank you, Michael. Thank you so much, John. Take care. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap.